Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is continuing in our series over the Gospel of Matthew. Today we'll look at Matthew chapter 20. The kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. We are in Matthew chapter 20 today. I failed to send out a text probably this week and last week of where we're going to be. I'm, I have a reminder on my phone to do that. But if I forget, we are going to be in. If the people aren't here to hear this, then they have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. We're going to be, we're going to be wrapping up Matthew a lot quicker now. We're going to be in Matthew 21, 22, 23 next Sunday, okay? I'm not going to preach over all of that, but somewhere in there I will be. So your assignment for this week is to just begin to dig into the word, Matthew 21, 22, 23. Begin to journal about that. And, and we, don't, we don't take these things lightly. We're not like, oh, hey, let's just do this and figure this out. No, we truly believe that the Lord has led us to this time to read through the gospel of Matthew. And so I would encourage you to, to journal about that, write, write about it, and see what the Lord has for you. Today, Matthew chapter 20. Many times when Jesus spoke or when he was teaching, he would say things in his parables. A lot of times he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. What's happening is that Jesus realized that his followers had certain preconceived notions about what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. Like he came to be with them and I mean, even the Sermon on the Mount, he begins to say, hey, you have heard that it was said this, but I say to you this. You have heard this, but I say this. You know, and so he's always going through. He's teaching through the parables about the kingdom of heaven. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. Because the Israelites, they they thought what was going to happen was that Jesus was going to come, that whoever this Jesus was, because they didn't think it was this guy, but, but They thought he was going to come in as a military leader, right in. He's going to conquer the Roman Empire, drive them out of his city, get the temple back as the center of worship, reclaim all of God's people as exiles, bring them back to the nation of Israel. He's going to establish an earthly kingdom and then get Rome out of there and begin to just spread all over the world. That, that's, that was their mindset. I mean, because if you looked at it up until this point, that's kind of what it was. Joshua entering into the promised land. Got to drive these people out, kill and conquer and do all these things. You have like, you know, it's not in our like Bible here, but you have the stories of Maccabees and how he read a, led a revolution to, to reclaim that. And it was a revolt. And that's what, that was their mindset was war. And we're going to overthrow and it's an earthly kingdom and we're going to establish that. And from the very beginning, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you this. Or he says, hey, the, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Because the kingdom of heaven is not what you think. It's not as it seems. And if we're not careful, then we will miss out just like the Israelites missed out. We will be looking for a king to return, to come, and just save us out of this world. And I'll fly away and I'll be with him by and by. When actually he's saying, no, that's not it. I've placed you here for a reason and for a purpose. Like the kingdom of heaven, you would think is going to be that. But the kingdom of heaven, it, it starts off with Jesus who laid down his divinity to take upon himself humanity, who 
who left the, the side of the Father. He, he was in heaven, and he left, and he came to earth to be born of a virgin Mary. Like, like we skip past it. The kingdom of heaven is not what you think it is. It's the God coming to the earth as a baby. And, and we, we just don't even think about the, the childhood of Jesus. But this is Jesus. Like dirty in diapers. Learning to walk. I mean, he, he is God, but he still ha- he took on humanity. And so the kingdom of heaven is not this military leader who comes and conquers and drives it all out. No, it, it's a baby who came to earth. It, it's that when, when he rode into Jerusalem to be handed over to suffering to death, to be crucified, died, buried, raised from the dead, he didn't come in with a, a procession of people and armies. He came in on a donkey. The kingdom of heaven is not what you think it is. It's not as though it seems. And Jesus is continually trying to wrap our minds around that. What kingdom is started by the leader dying? That kind of seems to be the end of the kingdom. What, what kingdom says, hey, this is the savior of the world, the pure, the holy, the righteous, and he's going to die for all of us. Normally, the great don't die for the ungreat. Normally, hey, let's sacrifice somebody else that's not worth anything so that the rest of us can live. But the kingdom of heaven goes, no, no, you know what? We're going to take God, bring him to earth as a baby. He's going to walk this earth just as you and I did. He's going to walk, talk, and breathe, but yet he's going to do it without sin so that he can set the pattern for what it looks like to walk on to bring heaven down to earth and to walk out this thing, to be a Christ follower. And then he goes, and then now I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to be raised from the dead. We're going to read. Today Today it's going to be a lot of reading. All right, we're going to read through. We'll, we'll break it down into parts here, but we're going to read through Matthew chapter 20. The word of God is pure. It's perfect and it's truth. N- no matter how much and good you think of me, I would caution you not to do that anyways. But no matter how much good you think of me, everything that I say is going to be filtered. It's going to filter the word of God. And so we're going to read it today in its purest form. And we're going to allow that to just penetrate our hearts and our minds. So we're going to go. We're going to go 1 through 16. Follow along with me. If you didn't bring your Bible or your phone, it will be up on the screen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into his vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went out and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Can you, do we need a little bit of that in America right now? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard. 
he told them. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers here and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. So when, they, so when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work in the burning heat. He replied to them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first last. We have a landowner. He goes out and finds laborers at early in the morning, 9 in the morning, 12, 3, 5 p.m. Calls them up after, after a day's work. Begins to pay them. You know, in, in the first, the last ones that worked one hour, they got, they got a day's wage is what a denarius is. They got a day's wage. And can you imagine, like, standing at the end of that line going, okay, so they got, they were here an hour. They got a day's wage. I can't wait till I get up there. Like, this is going to be more than I thought. Like, he, he's, he's going to take care of us. He's going to give us more. They get to the end of the line, and the Lord comes, or the landowner comes to pay them. And they get one denarius, a day's wage. They begin to grumble and complain. And he said, hey, wait, wait. I, it's mine. I can do with what I want. I are you jealous because I gave them just as much as you? Even though you worked one day, you got one day's wage. I, he didn't short them. He gave them everything that he said he would give them. But they began to grumble and complain. And so the kingdom of heaven is like this. This parable is a story of God's salvation. His gift of salvation. And God's gift of salvation is just and generous. Jesus is teaching his disciples that all are welcome and equal in the kingdom of heaven. It's not an exclusive club for the religious elite. He's saying, it doesn't matter if you put in a full day or if you put in an hour. We're all the same. The, the kingdom of heaven is going to be full of people of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue. Of every socioeconomic status. And he's coming through here and he's saying, man, why, why are you all upset? Because what, what happened is if you were to select workers early in the morning, who would you select? First thing in the morning, hey, I got a hard day's work. Who are you guys going to select? Young, strong, healthy men. Right, hey, it's early in the morning. We got to go all the way till dark. That's who we're going to choose first. Right? By the time you get to about 3 p.m., your, your uh, expectations have probably relaxed a little bit. 5 p.m., it's like, okay, man, we, we only have one more hour. Who else is out there? You know, it's, it's like you pull up to Home Depot last minute, man. Who do we got today? You know, and that you just kind of take what you got. Nobody else showed up. I just need someone else, Home Depot. Who's there? Because there's this mentality that the kingdom of heaven, because what has been modeled to them is that the kingdom of heaven is like, like a bunch of religious elites who put rules and regulations on the people that they
they themselves cannot follow. That, that put the burden and the weight of the law on everyone else but themselves. And so Jesus is coming through, hey, it's like this right here. The kingdom of heaven is not like that. But it's like this where everyone is equal. Where everyone is the same. Jesus said that in the kingdom of heaven, right, right here when we get to this point in verse 16, it says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus said that in the kingdom of heaven, the last, the unskilled, the oldest, the weakest, the ignoble, the unproductive, the ignored will be first. And he says in the first, the powerful, the wealthy, the famous, the successful, the talented, the beautiful will be last. See, the kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. We look at things from an earthly perspective, and, and, and we see a guy that, that's preaching up on the stage, and, man, he's got, you know, everybody, all these pastors now wear, like, nice sneakers, and, man, they're, they're shiny white, and they're dressed out. And, and we, we celebrate that guy. But yet we look down on the, on the guy who shows up every week for the last 50 years and preaches to the same congregation Sunday in, Sunday out. Because he doesn't look like that. He's not flashy. He's not successful. He hasn't written any books. He's not putting out worship songs also. Like all of those things. And I'm not saying either one are right or wrong. I'm saying that by the earth's view, that guy, man, he has a place in heaven like no other. And we neglect the guy that shows up every Sunday. That digs into the word and just preaches. That loves people and is genuine with them. You know, by the earth standards, that guy's getting into heaven before this guy. The first will be last. And the last will be first. We think the kingdom of heaven, it's like the military. We're looking for the best of the best of the best. No. He's not. Thank goodness. If he was looking for the best of the best of the best, I'm not going to talk bad about you guys, but man, at least myself, I ain't that. I'm not the best of the best of the best. Man, I, I, I mess up so many times. I struggle through so many things. I, I fell in so many areas. And if he was looking for the best of the best of the best of the religious elite, I would be left out of that. But look who Jesus welcomes into the kingdom of God. Like all through Matthew, that, this is what Matthew's gospel is about, is opening up the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus welcomes in the lepers, the blind, the paralytics. The, the, the re rejects of society. And he's like, man, I want you to come. Not only like the rejects, like, like the Roman centurion. Not, not only that, the, the Canaanite woman. The, who was not even like best of the best of the best. Like second class citizen. You're, you're equal to a dog in those days. And Jesus welcomes her in. A woman caught in, a, in adultery who her sentence by law was death. And he pronounces grace and healing and forgiveness over her. And that's who he welcomes in. And thank God he does. Because if he's looking for the best of the best of the best, I'm not that. I'm just a guy trying to figure it out. The, the kingdom of heaven is open to all the regular people. You and me. The, the, the veil was torn that separated us from him. There's no more re religious elite. There's no more temple system. There's no more sacrifice system. There's no more like, 
I, I mean, I know like in America and everywhere, like we've elevated pastors and worship pastors, but it's, that, that should not be the case. We're all the same. We're all the same. Like before it, there was a separation of the Levitical priesthood. And they were set apart, but now we're all set apart. I mean, that song that, that we, were, we were beggars, but now we're royalty. And, and, and that's what we think of when we think of kingdom. Oh, the kingdom of heaven is like. And they're like, yeah, what is it like? Like kings and queens and priests and, and princes. No. The kingdom of heaven is not like that. The early workers grumbled and complained. Our only response to the grace of God is overwhelming joy for others and for ourselves. The grace of God is just. When we hear about somebody getting saved, our only response is to be overwhelmed with joy for them. I mean, when we celebrate, last week we celebrated with Dustin and Autumn, and, and I know we don't know them as well as Steve and Renee know them, but, but there's something, that my only response is like, man, my, my response is, I, I hope Steve walked through that, everything with them. I, I hope they really get it, maybe so they don't have to do this again, or, or are they really safe? My response is, man, I'm going to be overwhelmed with joy for you because I'm excited for what's happening in your heart that you've chosen to go through this. But so many times we're so willing to be like, I don't know if that was genuine or not. I don't know if they really meant that one. We can be like the workers that grumble and complain and be like, but Lord, I, I've served you all my life. And on their deathbed they confessed and they're going to get to go to heaven. I show up early every Sunday, and they show up after worship starts, and they get to go to heaven. They get to experience the same thing that I get to experience. Like, we can grumble and complain when we compare ourselves to others. I've dedicated my life to you. Even the disciples, they go, this is in the previous chapter, Matthew chapter 19, with, with the rich young ruler, and it's like, hey, it's hard for the rich to, to get into the heaven. It's hard, you know, camel through the eye of the camel. And they go, hey, but what about us, Lord? Like, we've given up everything. The same goes. Whether you've lived with him for one hour or one lifetime, the grace of God is just, and we don't get to decide. There was a pastor, uh, Roy Ratcliffe, in, in the 90s. He got a call one day. Uh, to go visit somebody in the prison. And uh, he had never been to the prison before he, he, or, he, to visit or because of he got convicted of something, he had never been into the prison. And so he got a call, and uh, a couple of the other ministers in town weren't willing to do it, so he went. He, he didn't know anything. He said, okay, I'll go in there. And so he went, and uh, first time to meet this guy, first time to be in prison, he sat across the table from a guy named Jeffrey, it's not me. I'm, there's not like a plot twist, all right? It's a different name, right? <laughs> he sat across from a table from a guy named Jeffrey, and Jeffrey had been convicted of mass murder, multiple murders over and over. He sat across the table from him, and this, this Jeffrey was repentant, sorrowful, said people had sent him some tracks in prison, and he found Jesus. He wanted to give his life to the Lord. He, 
He wanted to be baptized. Roy Ratcliffe didn't, didn't really know what else to do except he met with him for three weeks and said, man, I, he might be pulling my leg, but, but it seems genuine to me. So three weeks after they met, he was baptized in this little whirlpool. It says that Jeffrey had to get into the fetal position to even like get all the way under. After that, after that time that, they were, that he was baptized for the next eight months, they met every week, one hour a week, until Jeffrey was killed in prison. And a lot of people got upset with Roy because he decided to baptize Jeffrey Dahmer. People called him, wrote him notes. One person confronted him and said, if Jeffrey Dahmer is in heaven, then that's a place I don't want to be. Because we can think, we can grumble and complain at the generous nature of God's gift of salvation. We can say, no, 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 not him. Who brutally murdered 17 young men and boys. Not him. The blood of Jesus is just sufficient for him as it is for Jeff Hopkins. <laughs> to say that if he's there, then I don't want to be there, man, it's a bad place to be in your spirit with that. We can grumble and complain at the generous nature of God's grace and his salvation. Is Jeffrey Dahmer in heaven? Man, I don't know. You don't know if I'll be there either. I could be pulling your leg. I don't know if you're going to be there. We're, we're so quick to go. There's no way that he could have meant it. And if you look at my life, you would say, man, there's no way that he could have meant that. If he continued to live the way that he lived, there's no way that he could have meant that. And I could say the same thing about you. So I don't know if he's there. But my only response is overwhelming joy with the hope and the expectation that he did find Jesus. Because I don't want for one second one person to have to suffer. That one should ruffle some feathers. Probably shouldn't put this one online. We're going to go to the next one. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17 through 19. While going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. Today's message is that the kingdom of God is not as it seems. Jesus is telling the disciples what's going to happen. He'll be mocked, flogged, and crucified. That doesn't sound like a great way to start a kingdom, but he says on the third day he'll be raised again. The kingdom of God is not what it seems. It's not comfortable. It's not sitting back. I know we've moved from pews to chairs to make it more comfortable. 
the kingdom of heaven is not comfortable. Jesus is walking to his death, and he knows he's going to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. I'm telling you right now, the kingdom of God is not comfortable. He is going to call you to things that you don't want to do. There will be people that will ridicule you for the things that he asks you to do. Don't be comfortable here on this earth because the kingdom of God is not comfortable. He, he said, hey, the world is going to hate you, but don't worry, it hated me first. We, we, we want to be concerned and, and we drive to church and, and, and we question, I wonder if the worship is going to be good today. Is she going to sing my favorite songs? Is Jeff going to preach okay? There's too many old people. There's too many young people. Look at all these kids. I, we do all of these things and all we're saying is, honestly, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to show up to church and I just want to be comfortable. And we walk out of here and we hop into our cars with air conditioners so that we can be comfortable. And we go to our, our house, we go to a restaurant and we eat, and we eat too much. And we're not as comfortable, but that's a different kind of comfort. But we do everything in our life is made so that we can be comfortable. We, we want zero stress, zero persecution, Z anything that resembles that. And we're like, oh my goodness. I mean, you, you know, they, government will do something. Something will happen in America, and we're like, oh, my Lord, Jesus is coming back soon. Mm, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we're just partaking of the, the being mocked, flogged, and crucified. Maybe that's why he said, take up your cross and follow me. But, but we get so like, uh, that makes me really uncomfortable, these rules and restrictions that the government's putting on us. Good. We're not of this world. We're not made to enjoy the American dream. We're not supposed to enjoy the comfort of democracy. It's okay. We are a citizen of heaven before we're a citizen of this world. And like it's okay that we start to get uncomfortable. It's okay that you decided to homeschool your kids because public schools going nuts. It's okay that you want to do these things, that you want to leave your job to go do what the Lord's called you to do. It's okay. You should not be comfortable. This world should not make you go, man, I really love this place. It should make you go, man, I want to be with Jesus. But Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so as long as you are here, it is for others. You have a purpose here. You should not be comfortable here in America. You should not be comfortable in this world. You should not. We want everybody to like us, to think the best about us. We are not willing to do the things that will be uncomfortable because it might reflect poorly against us. Jesus said, whoever loses his life will find it. He said, what good is it to gain the whole world yet to forfeit your soul? We, we do everything in the name of comfort. But maybe he's calling you to be uncomfortable. Maybe he's calling you to do something that's like, man, that's, that's kind of radical. And then you open up your Bible and you're like, Oh, no way, that's just biblical. It's not radical. It's biblical. Verses 20 through 28. Then the mother 
of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons. She knelt down to ask him for something. What do you want, he asked her. He probably didn't say it like that, sorry. What do you want, he asked her. <laughs> I don't know why I went into that. <laughs> Dumb. Promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? We are able, they said to him. He told them, I love this passage right here. Yeah, Lord, we can do it. We'll drink that. Okay, whatever. He told them, you will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right and my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom, oh, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. I mean, I, I love this passage of scriptures, just a mom being a mom. Like, hey, Jesus is about to be crucified. He's like going right there. I mean, which is just insane anyways. Like if you, he's going on the exact path that Joshua came to, entered the promised land on. Like the same way that Joshua came, Jesus is coming, passed through Jericho, now on his way to Jerusalem. And, and he's saying, hey, I'm about to be handed over to suffering and to death, to be mocked, flogged, crucified. And mom being mom just goes, hey, uh, can, can I see you for just a second? You know, pulls, pulls Jesus away from the other ten. Hey, my sons, I, I want one on the, your left and one on your right in your kingdom. Can, can you do that? <laughs> and the sons are there. You know, at first it seems like maybe it's just the mom. And he's like, you, you don't know what you're asking. You, can you drink this cup that I'm about to drink? And he's like, and the, at that point, the sons are like, yeah, we can do it. We're able to do it. He's like, man, you don't even know what you're talking about. Jesus is about to be mocked, crucified, flogged. And the disciples are arguing about who's going to be sitting at his right and his left. And, and, and we have orphans. And widows, right here. And we were worried about being comfortable. We're, we're worried about where we're going to be when it's all over. We do the same thing. Jesus is coming back, and we're so concerned about making all these preparations, and we're doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. And, and there's widows, and there's orphans. There's homeless, there's hurt, there's broken. And yet we're more concerned with ourselves and where we are. Jesus says, whoever wants to be the greatest must be a, become a servant. For the Son of Man did not come to uh, be served, but to serve. The kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. We, we want to promote people and we want to be in charge of all the people. And we want to do this, this, and that. And Jesus says, hey... The kingdom of heaven is like this, that the greatest will be the servants. There, there's a, if you, if you look on this, like, like they call it like an upside down kingdom is what this, this whole thing is about. Like, it's like wait a minute, that, that, that's 
opposite of everything that we've been told. It's an upside down kingdom to where the greatest are the servants. And we talk about, man, I can't wait to be servant of the Lord. I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to do that, then be a servant. Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to, serve, to be served, but to serve. You remember when, when he, come, he calls the disciples together to wash their feet? And Jesus begins to wash their feet. Because Jesus is a servant. He did not come to be served. Last one, and then we're going to get into some practical applications here. Verses 29 through 34 through the end of the chapter. It says, as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd demanded that they keep quiet, and they cry, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they could see, and they followed him. A crowd following Jesus. Two blind men call out. And the crowds try to quiet them and rebuke them. But Jesus stops, calls out to them, has compassion on them and heals them. Sometimes the crowd doesn't want to be bothered or to be interrupted. If we're not careful, we can become that crowd. The gathering at Adel can quickly become the crowd. And when people come in that are hurt, broken, and lost, we can go, man, that's going to take a lot. And we can tell them, hey, y'all need to be quiet. Uh, hey, we'll take care of you. Push them off, push them off. And if we're not careful, we will become the crowd. And as the crowd rebuked them, we will be rebuked by Jesus. He said, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. Part of my, I, I, I say my, part of the vision that I feel like the Lord has given us for this house is that we will be a house of diversity. That, that, that this house would represent heaven. That we would have people of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue in this place. That, that this would not be a place that's filled with people that look like us, talk like us, act like us, vote like us, make the same amount of money of us, send our kids to the same school. Man, I, I want this place to be a place of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue. I want it to be a place that's full of, of millionaire and somebody that, that can't even rub two pennies together. I want it to be a place that we can just all be welcomed in. This is what he's talking about. I don't want to be the crowd that's like, oh, mm -mm. no, we don't have time for you. We can't be interrupted by you. We have things that we have to do. We, we have vision and we have goals and we have tasks and we're ready to do this all. But yet we push them, the crowd away. We push the, the two, the blind away. So when the hurt, the lost, and the broken show up, you know it's because I've been praying for it. And my only response is overwhelming joy. Because God's gift of salvation is just and it's generous. 
I don't have a right to determine who gets saved and who doesn't. Because I don't think like them or act like them or I, I made different choices than them. Does not negate them from the kingdom of heaven. So that's something I pray over this place every week. Man, let it just be filled with people that need Jesus. Practical applications as we, we look at this. The first one is the kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. Be humble. Humility is a key characteristic in the kingdom of heaven. Don't consider yourself above anyone else. Rejoice for others when they come to Jesus. The same blood that saved you is available for everyone else. There's this thought about humility like that we have to think less of ourselves. Like, oh, no, we're not worthy of anything. That's not humility at all. Humility means that I'm just thinking about myself less. And I'm thinking about others more. The kingdom of heaven is full of humility. I, I would encourage you today to, to sit down and say, Father, is there, is there an area where, where I'm full of pride? Where I'm not walking in humility? Where, where I've determined my place in heaven is above other people's places in heaven because of the way they look, they act, and they think, and the choices that they made. The kingdom of heaven is not what, what you think. It's not as it seems. It's full of humility. Pe people all the time are trying to promote themselves. But the kingdom of heaven is full of people that lower themselves. Whoever exalts themselves will be humbled. Whoever humbles themselves will be exalted. Be humble means to realize that all have sinned and all have fallen short, including yourself. When it comes to here in the parable of the vineyard workers, so the last will be first and the first last. Say, Father, don't let me be the first. I'll be the last. Practically, like, what does this look like? I mean, th this means, like, let someone go in front of you in a line. If you see a mom with kids that's struggling, let her in front of you. I don't care if she has three baskets. A good example was yesterday, driving and uh, construction happens. And uh, me and my wife will differ on this one. Uh, she thinks I'm one way, but I'm really not, but maybe I am. You know, when, when the lane begins to, when it's two and you know it goes down to one, right? <laughs> right. I think I'm the one that gets over to the right fairly quickly. Maybe not as quickly as everybody else, but I'm not the last one either. Humility would say when that person was a jerk, waited to the last minute, humility goes, I'm going to tap my brakes and let them in. And that's hard. That's real hard. I don't know why. That pride in me that goes, you knew it and you did it on purpose. I was, but <laughs> this is going to get some of y'all in trouble, I can tell. But like, <laughs> maybe we just stop. Kelly, come singing. We're going to do altar call right now. Let's do it. Repent. <laughs> Humility is like, I'm going to make kids' plates first. I, I'm going to ask my spouse, what does she want to watch for TV on TV tonight? 
not just assume that she wants to watch what I want to watch again. Humility is thinking of others more than you think of yourself. To consider your brothers and sisters as equals and have overwhelming joy at their successes. All right, number two, the kingdom of heaven is not comfortable. We talked about this, that Jesus was mocked, flogged, and crucified. But yet we think that we should be exempt from all of these things because we would rather be comfortable. And don't get me wrong, like in my flesh, that's me too. Like I'm not going, man, Simon, where are they mocking, flogging, and crucifying people? I'm going there today. That's not what, that's in my flesh. I'm like, no. But, but also I go, Father, is there an area in my life that I haven't handed over to you? Because I don't want to be mocked and ridiculed by those around me. Is there a place that I'm holding back from you because I know of the great cost that it will be? That's what that means. It's, it's not comfortable. It doesn't mean that we're all called to, to go to, to China and be persecuted. But what it means, what it means is that I'm willing to be uncomfortable if he's called me to it. Number three, serve others. Go out of your way to be others focused. Right here when they're talking about it, Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this, that the son of man came to serve and not be served, that he laid down his life as a ransom for others. My encouragement today is to serve others. He said, if you want to be the Lord of, of all, you want to be the master, then you have to be the servant. Serve one another. I know that, that sounds a lot like the humility because it is. It takes humility to serve. Because a lot of times we think that we're not that low, and that's for somebody else. One thing that we do, my kids don't really enjoy it that much, but uh, after sporting events, what? We'll walk through the, through the stands, the whole stands. The stands in Strawn, it's not like a big deal, but whatever. It's not like a feaster. Uh, but we'll walk through the whole stands, clean up all the trash. They don't enjoy it as much. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to touch other kids' bubble gum, you know, but, but <laughs> that was too personal. But the greatest will be servants of all. And, and I'm sure they've noticed too, but after you do that a couple of times, which it's funny because then you get like, you, you would think that it would spur like the adults to do it, but no, then, because while the parents are waiting for their older kids to get out there, all the moms and dads are like, get up there and pick up that trash, help them out. And they still stand there, you know, but at least they're getting it in their kids. But it's just, that, that's just like one example that you can think of, like, after, after kids' peewee games, pick up all the trash. Serve others. Think, think like, are you struggling? And is there something that I can do to make it easier on you? It's that simple. And then all you have to do is be obedient. And, and maybe that means you leave your shopping cart there and you go help somebody get, get their shopping cart and unload their groceries for them. Maybe that's what that means. But to serve others, to think less about yourself and to look at someone and go, man, is there some way, is there some burden in your life that I can ease somewhat? The last one is don't follow the crowd. Don't be the crowd. 
the crowd looked at them, rebuked them, tried to keep them quiet. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, it's a narrow road and a small gate. Not many are going to enter it. And I think sometimes that's not really the wake-up call that it should be. Because I think everybody in this room goes, yeah, it really is a narrow road that we're all on. And we forget, maybe it's a lot smaller than what what we're thinking it is. Don't follow the crowd. Don't push those down. Don't mock and rebuke those that are coming after Jesus. The crowd has the greatest opportunity because it has the most influence, but yet it can drag you away so quickly. They were walking with Jesus, and yet they, were, they still had that in their heart because it's a narrow road and a small gate, and not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter it. Don't follow the crowd. Leave the crowd. What does Jesus do? He leaves the 99 to go after the one. Don't don't just stick with the 99. Leave and go find the one. Real practical. There's only a couple of kids because most of them are in there. Go sit at a lunch table where no one else is sitting with someone else. The one kid by themselves Go sit with them. And man, that's, that's going to cost you. That's going to cost you because everyone's going to be like, Wait, why are you doing that? That's weird. That's dumb. He always sits by himself. She always sits by herself. She likes that. She likes that. They would rather do that. No. Don't follow the crowd. Be the one to go after, after the one. The kingdom of heaven is not as it seems. Any idea that you have of it, throw it away. Dig into the word. Because all throughout the word, he'll say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. You take those words and you say, Father, I want to apply those words to my life. Because at the end of it, I I don't want them to have to say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. I want them to say, man, Jeff really demonstrated what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like, go look at Jeff's life. Look at Jeff's legacy. Father, I thank you so much for your word, for your time, for our time here together. Father, we just pray that your word would continue to just cut away at us. Father, for us to not just hear a message and be like, man, that that was good or that was okay. But for us to go, man, Father, that hurt because I see where I fall short. So, Father, I pray today that that as we spend time with you, spend time with you this week, that you would just reveal those areas in our lives where we're not demonstrating to the world outside of what the kingdom of God is like. Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.